but I really loved being at home, especially on Sundays, because we could like, we just started when my daughter got up, so you didn't have to get up early, right? <laughs> and and then sacrament was so, I don't know, it just seemed so, so personal. We were just like, hey, we need, you know, seven cups. Well, my, my one son was on his mission at the time. And so it was just like, you know, we need six cups. And there was one particular Sunday where I realized I didn't have any bread. And so I hurried and just made some bread. And it happened to be like on this Sunday where, <laughs> I don't know if it was fast Sunday, but my husband literally had like, these giant chunks of bread like for everybody so like you know we're just like it takes a while to just actually finish I feel like it just felt really personal but then you did get to the point where you really wanted community after a few months of that and so when we could go back or we'd you know try to I think you know when you could have like 25 or there were so many restrictions you're just so grateful to just see people you know and just take into the, the community it is time for another episode of the cultural hall and uh, a special episode in a lot of respects uh it is a venture down memory lane uh that's part of today's episode uh also it is church history centric which i absolutely love so get ready for that nerdy adventure and uh and it's also you know we'll we'll cross into some uh, other things like uh being the spouse of a stake president we'll vi- we'll visit a little bit about um starting a podcast or being drawn towards uh being a podcaster uh and for all of this uh my my guest is sister johnson now you'll notice that i i call her sister johnson because that's what i know her as i your name camille but i never called you camille because when i served in your ward i couldn't call you your first name i had to call you sister johnson welcome to the cultural hall well thank you and I feel the same way because I only called you Elder Sedman. So it's funny that we were just taught, we just had the missionaries over last Monday. And one of the missionaries has been in our ward for like six months. And we were like, oh, do you remember how Elder Sedman, he was in our ward for like so long. So, Forever. yeah. So I guess I'll call you Richie. Is that? No, no, I mean, you could, I would be fine if you called me Elder Stedman. Uh, it was in the Cleveland, Ohio mission, which no longer exists anymore. I was right. from 99 to 2001. And we essentially came out there at the same time. That was when you first moved to the Cleveland area. Give me an idea of kind of where you're from and what you, what brought you to the Cleveland area, et cetera. So I'm originally from Salt Lake City. I grew up and went to East High School. And then I went to school, college at Boston College, which is where I met my husband, Nate. And he and he wasn't a member when we met. He ended up joining the church and we got married about a year after we graduated. And um, he finished his master's at Boston College and we weren't sure where to go. And his family's from the Cleveland area. And he's like, well, it's closer to move to my family. And I was like... Okay. I was like, well, we won't stay here very long. We'll just maybe do four years and then we'll continue back West. And that was 24 years ago. So we're still here. So what was that like? Uh, you know, we obviously hear the stories about like, oh yeah, you know, the, the person who finds a person that they love and then they're sort of introduced to the missionaries. What was the conversion process for you as, uh, as a, um, 
a partner, but also as a bystander with your husband? Well, it's interesting because we just, he just celebrated his 25th like baptism anniversary on the 18th. I didn't know we celebrate. Do, did he, do you do dinner or do you? We didn't really like do anything. We were okay. just like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. like, well, he actually had a, a temple recommend interview and then he had to release a missionary. He's like, who would have thought that I would have like done those things on, um, for, I think it was really, um, so we dated, we started, I don't know if you want to call it dating, like at Boston college, just kind of started hanging out and being official, I guess our sophomore year. And then, so for those three years we were dating and really just best friends. And I would, my mom would send me packages in the mail that were for Nate that were like, marvelous work and wonder like what mormons believe and just all and i would be so excited to get a package and then i'd be like oh it's for you like here's some more things and he was a new testament like well he was studying theology and so he was sort of like somewhat intellectually fascinated with the idea and because he didn't really know much about it so it Mm -hmm. wasn't very um like spiritual, I guess it wasn't like a serious, it was more just like, Oh, well, this is interesting. And this is interesting. And so at the beginning of my senior year, I, I just didn't think he was going to join the church. And Mm -hmm. I was reading my blessing. Was it a deal breaker for you? Are you like, listen, if that isn't a thing, then I'm out. Well, it was a, there was a line in my patriarchal blessing that said I was going to marry an elder in Israel. Mm. And so I was just like, I don't think I'm working on doing that right now. And so, but I didn't really want to break up with him. And I was like, oh, when we graduate, it'll just, it'll just be natural. He'll be going one way. I'll be going another. And so we did. I I actually tried to find a job in the Boston area. I got a teaching, like I was a secondary ed history major and all of the history positions were not open. And so I spent the summer working at a camp trying to see if I could stay close. And then um, I just went home and I was like, I really like you, but I just feel like I want to, I want to marry someone who's a member of my faith. And like, I, I want to be able to share that. And so he, that first year, like he had we had started having an institute class on the Boston college campus. And before that, like Boston college had like my freshman year, I was one of three people on campus who were LDS. And then sometimes we had a little more depending on the year. And then by my senior year, there was a group, not necessarily all that went to Boston college, but maybe some nannies living in the area and stuff. So they had an institute on campus and, and Nate would come to the Institute. And so I think the process of like watching him explore and asking, he would ask like very intellectual questions. And like, he was into, you know, these different translations of like the new Testament. And I was just like, I don't know. There's just like one translation of the book Mormon. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, um, so when I left um, and he had had some experiences kind of on his own to, tell him that, you know, he needed to do some things before he could even just get an answer. And so I left and I was living at home and working there. And he started, we started emailing back and forth and we just have these like gospel discussions. And this was like when email was kind of new, you know, in 1998, 97. And 
And so I remember one particular email, which I think he printed out a bunch of them and we still have them, but it was a treatise on like um, King Benderman's sermon. And mm-hmm. it was like seven pages. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I think he's getting something. And so we did that for a couple months. And then I think it was in October or maybe earlier, he decided to start taking the discussions. And so he, and he was funny. He's like, I was in Institute and these two sister missionaries came in and I didn't even know that sister missionaries existed. Like (laughs) I didn't know that was like a thing. And I was like, I'll learn from them. I think partly, I mean, I don't know, sister missionaries. And Secondly, he just thought he wouldn't try to compete with them or try to show off as much, I think. And so he started, he decided to meet with the missionaries. And so he did that all while I was away. And I think that was also really good. But for me, I was away and I felt like I needed to get in a place where I really felt like I knew my testimony and just like, I just felt like I recentered myself and because I had to decide if I really wanted to um if this is where I wanted to go and how like so it all kind of worked out but it really did strengthen my testimony watching him like just take these little steps and the missionaries would like challenge him <laughs> like there was one particular um time where and it's pretty one of those famous things where, you know, they give him the scripture about, you know, when you, why, when you're learned, you think you're wise and mm-hmm. that they're like, we want you to read the scripture when we go. And cause he had read all these things that my mom had given him. So he knew a lot of stuff, but they were trying to teach him more about the spirit. And so, um, and I think for me too, I really tried to pray a lot and really understand and get a testimony myself. And I remember being at state conference, like in my home stake and all these adults, like, you know, kind of talking about, well, what can we do to really get back to like our roots of what's holding us back from really studying more? And I just remember being like, what is wrong with you guys? Why aren't you studying like and praying like every five minutes, you know, like, <laughs> and now like, you know, as a mom of five kids and working, you know, but at the time I was just, I just had like, I was working for my dad, actually, um, he was running for office. And so I had a lot of time to just pray and contemplate. And I remember just being like, why aren't you guys spending all this time like doing this? What what else do you have to do? Mm-hmm. And so I think it really helped just because I had to decide where how I wanted my life to go. And then um and then watching him gain a testimony just really also helped me. So and I think it's also just like you think you do things but it's really the spirit that is teaching. Like, you know, sometimes I'm just like, maybe I have this great idea, but it's really all the spirit that teaches. So. Was it the thing where then he, he called up and he's like, Hey, uh, it's been a little while since we chatted. Uh, you might want to be here for this thing. Or was it a surprise? Was it when you came out, how did then he decide to, to be baptized and what was the involvement with you at that point? Um, it was, we had, well, it was a surprise more when he started taking the discussions because he was like, hey, I'm like having two girls come over. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, actually, they're missionaries. And I was like, what? <laughs> so um, we we were keeping in touch once he, well, we had, we were keeping in touch really the whole time. But I think throughout his 
his lessons. And um, I think he came for Christmas or something like, and, but then, yeah, he, I was, he told me and I was like, oh my gosh, because he was really, um, and I love the story of when he was really waiting for this big answer. Mm -hmm. And, and he was actually, he just shared this at like our standards night last Sunday, but he just finally felt like I, I was expecting an angel to come. Like if they came to all these other people, why can they come to me? And so I was just kind of waiting. And I just also then realized as I'd been taking the time to study the book of Mormon, that it was actually making me a better Catholic and a better Christian. Mm. And so then he just decided, well, I'm just going to church. He went to a couple baptisms and the second baptism he was watching this young man who was the same age. And he said, when he put his hand to the square, I was just like, wow. I felt like he really saying, you know, being commissioned of Jesus Christ, he almost knew more about what he was talking about than when I had heard priests talking and, you know, Mm -hmm. he grew up in a Catholic faith. And, and so right then he just was like, I think the priesthood is like a real thing. And all of a sudden he's like, well, if that's true, then, then the Book of Mormon must be true. And it was like this cascade of like things. And finally he's like, well, I think I'm going to get baptized. And he just kind of said it to like this friend of ours. And, you know, it's in this YSA branch and everyone's just like, why? <laughs> Freaking out. And yeah, so he called me and I was like, all right, I'm moving back to Boston. So, <laughs> all right, I'll marry you. And he's like, no, no, yeah, no, exactly. no I just said, I just said I'm getting bad. I didn't. Okay. We'll get married. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just, I'll move back and we'll see what happens. So, so, so then obviously fast forward a little bit, you guys get married and then you decide that Cleveland is a thing. Cause that's where family is at. Uh, Cleveland is a unique area. One that's close to my heart in that um, there's so much church history because of Kirtland, but not just Kirtland. You also have Hiram and, and several other places that just have this rich church history, but the church itself, not altogether that big for a, for a, you know, a city, the size of Cleveland or even the County, the size of Cuyahoga County, which is where it is. But now uh, a temple announced. Be honest, did you cry like I cried? I freaked out. So I have to tell you, we when the Pittsburgh Temple was announced, we were kind of mad. Actually, <laughs> we had been righteously like, mad, of course, of course, was, righteous anger. I was like, "How is Pittsburgh getting a temple before us?" Like, and because Pittsburgh is just under two hours from us. I just was like, well, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's our temple. I don't think we're going to. And so I was kind of resigned, not resigned. I mean, it's fine. Like a temple is great. Like they're all, and you know, we've, we've been going to Columbus. We love Columbus. That's two and a half hours. And just, but just having something maybe like under an hour, I don't know. I was just, so I was sort of like past the point, every single um, general conference, it'd be like, I think this is it. I feel a prompting. We're totally getting it. It's going to be announced Cleveland temple. And after Pittsburgh got announced, I was like, okay. So I was just sitting and I was like, okay, I mean, I'll listen, but I don't have any, like, I didn't have this like hope that it would happen. And we had had this busy day and half of my family was in the basement. I was upstairs kind of getting ready for dinner and just decided to sit down. 
my dad was here. And so I was sitting by him and I was just like, okay. Da, da, da. And they said, whatever they said, then Cleveland. And then they said another temple. And I was like, <gasps> and I like flew up, jumped. I started screaming and I run down in the basement and it was delayed down in the basement. I'm like, you guys, I can't believe it. And they're like, what are you freaking out about? Because they hadn't even heard it yet. And so then they hear Cleveland Temple. And I just start crying. I'm like, I can't even. Yeah, I just, it's crazy. So it's it's so awesome. It, it, yeah. I mean, it, it's exciting to me. Um obviously, because that's where I serve my mission. That's how we, we know each other from. But but for the saints to be able to have there, it was interesting. Uh, there's a group of return missionaries from the Ohio Cleveland Mission who, you know, because it's been, uh, air quotes, prophesied about a temple at the Johnson Farm one day, we're like, is that where it's going to be? I know. Or, you know, everyone who's like, that's it. We're finally going to make the purchase and we're going to get the Kirtland Temple back and they're going to call it the Cleveland Temple. But it's actually uh, uh, in a in a completely other place. It's one of the smaller temples and it's a couple years out from being, you know, dedicated, certainly, but ground broke, I think, is later this year, I want to say, fall of, of 2023. Mm, that'll be awesome. Yeah, it's, I mean, we've all done the same thing here in our area, you know, mm -hmm. like, we're like, oh, it'd be perfect to have one in Hiram, like, there's so much property there. Mm -hmm. I drive up, whenever I go to the historic sites, there is this property to the left, like, you turn to the right off they're like you hit a stop sign and you turn to the right to head to the sites and there's just this property that's just like kind of kitty corner and it's just this open field and I was mm -hmm. like wouldn't that be a great spot for a temple <laughs> and I just have imagined the temple just right there and still close to Kirtland and but yeah it's now I'm fine I'm a little bit sad that it's not in our stake but I think I'm okay so a question that I have sort of around that then, uh, with you kind of living in and around uh, Kirtland, and your husband is the stake president of the Kirtland Stake. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's a, I think a stake president is a, an awesome responsibility in, in the true sense of the word for anyone, right? I think, you know, the, I'm in Taylorsville, the Taylorsville stake president, I think that's a tremendous calling. But it seems like there's a, there's some sort of extra level of of leadership in a, a historic area like that. Do you see that? Do you see that people treat it like that? Do you treat it like that? Well, it is cool because, well, there's comical of cool things is he's just the sixth state president since technically Joseph Smith. Hmm. Because Kirtland was for a while, it was like the Cleveland stake, which encompassed the Kirtland area. And so the Kirtland stake since has just had like five stake presidents since wow. it was yeah so it's kind of cool there's like actually my brother made this photo for my husband and it had like joseph smith and then the the next five that that came so there is that that part of it and there's a lot of um we have a really good relationship now with kirtland and the city of kirtland and the community of christ and so I think there's a lot of just um, getting to know and having that, keeping those relationships good, I think. Um, 
What kind of efforts has like the stake or is the, the ward there in particular in collaboration with the community? Because w- one of the things that I always found fascinating is serving and talking and teaching people about Joseph Smith is I'm like, yeah, we believe that God and Jesus came and gave him power in that building right there. And it was always sort of this odd thing where people are like, wait, okay, like maybe I could attach to a God and Jesus moment, but you're telling me it's right off a of Chillicothe Road, right up the, you know what I'm saying? Like there was mm-hmm. some sort of that. Is it, it, Are there particular like endeavors or or educational things that, that the stake or the ward does there in the community of Kirtland? Or is it mainly just like interfaith? We're not weirdos. We want to be treated not weird. Um, we do a, f- I mean, over the years since I have been here, we've done a few things. Um, I think mostly it's just um, getting to know the people who are running the Kirtland Temple. There are there are like former presidents of like the Kirtland sites when they come and you know are over the Kirtland sites that now actually come back for two weeks and do tours at the Kirtland Temple, mm-hmm. and um, and we've like we have like the Kirtland five K we've been doing for years where you kind of run around the temple and so there's a lot of collaboration. We're probably more of the group that's going to testify that Christ has appeared, but I do because I haven't really done like an official Community of Christ tour because we've always just kind of been able to be with Carl Anderson and head into the temple. And, um, but I think like the, there's this one, um, administrator there, Nancy, and she has been involved with a lot of the senior couples. And we've had, we have like, it was shut down for almost the full three years when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Um, but we would do stuff on the grounds and she would just allow us to do that. And I think there's, I don't know. There's just a lot of just like love back and forth trying to do stuff. And even like on Christmas Eve, they did a Christmas Eve event at the temple and it was really cool. And most of the people who were involved were from our church. So like, you know, we have a group that would sing, you know, a handful of people speaking or quoting and then the person just giving the main homily was from the community of Christ. But there is a lot of like just willingness to participate and help in any way, I think, at the Kirtland Temple. And so. and a cooperation, because I know uh, it's been expressed from several people actually that have talked about it. Like there, there's, we hopefully are getting away from the attitude of like, you know, one day we'll own this again. And it's more like a collaborative, like, Hey, isn't this great? We love this building. Thank you for taking care of it. And we want to work alongside you as opposed to some sort of superiority. Yes. Yes. And I, and I think that that is definitely, if we, if we needed to have the temple, we'd have it. So obviously we don't need it right now. And I think there's a lot of, I don't know if you want to say there's, we just kind of, it is what it is. Like, it's still, um, it's still a temple. Like it hasn't been decommissioned, you know, it's still, it's still brought in these amazing, like if we didn't have the curtain, the temple, then we wouldn't have any of the ordinances or the power to do what we do in our current temples. So yeah, yeah. I think it's appreciation really. So. I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you about your podcast, why you why you started a podcast, what it is, uh, if people are curious about it and want to listen, how they can find it. All those things, we'll come back and do that in the second block of The Cultural Hall. 
bestdjinutah.com is the website that you need to go to if you would like to party with me. Now, just because it says Utah as part of the URL does not mean that it has to be in the state of Utah. I've traveled to such illustrious places as Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, Washington, and others, Idaho as well. If uh, if you're having an event and you think, you know what, I would love the energy, the charisma that is Richie uh, to be able to bless the event. I don't know why I said bless. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Maybe you, you yourself are getting married or has been the case multiple times this year. You are the apparent not a parent, just the parent, uh, or one of the parents, because there's multiple parents. I'm getting distracted. You are one of the parents of the bride or groom, and you think, Richie would be great to be at this event. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Be sure that you mentioned uh, that you hear it on the cultural hall. I may, in fact, even get you a little bit of a discount. Who knows? We'll see how I feel that day. It's bestdjinutah.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember, you can always send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. Uh, just like Camille did, if you're like, you know what, I, I think I got a pretty interesting story. I got something to add to this whole thing. Would you like to chat? You can certainly do that. Or if you know someone that you think would be a great guest and want to connect us, or if you're just like, I know someone who would be a great guest and I have absolutely no connection to that person, you can send us those um, those tips, those those inspirations for future episodes. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. You know, I have to ask you this, and I want to um I want to walk this cautiously. Um, but there there's been a a recent thing because of a, a YouTube video that was shared over on Mormon stories uh about interracial couples. And I and I don't want to I know we just were very kind in talking. Uh, your your husband is a person of color and you are obviously not. Has that ever been an issue for you guys within the church? Uh, no. Good. I don't, I don't think so. Good. I, I mean, it's more of just, so my husband is, I guess, I don't know the correct term. He's biracial. So his dad is black and his mom is white. Okay. And so I just feel like, I don't know, we're just, sometimes we just joke about it because our kids are very, uh, of the spectrum of like dark and light skinned. Uh-huh. So, um, like it's interesting. So I have two children who I would say are probably similar in skin color to my husband. They're like, especially in the summer, they get really, really dark. Uh-huh. And then I have a daughter that looks really like me and barely even tans. And it's just kind of like crazy. And so there have been times where they don't realize they're siblings. So like, for instance, my two kids are in jazz band in high school Mm -hmm. and I went to pick them up and I'd forgot my phone and they were just taking a really long time. So I like went in the building and the one teacher was like, Oh, they're siblings. And Uh yeah, siblings. So, um, 
It is, I don't know, we haven't ever really had an issue, I would say. I think it's, we've had lots of opportunities just to like talk about, I don't know if we really talk about it a lot. I think we joke about it just because I guess we can. So. Um, yeah, I like that. That that uh, that gives my heart uh, a lot of warmth. It, it, it was odd to me. So it was a, a, a video about a, a woman who, I mean, this is years ago now, 30 plus years where she, um, I think she was a person of color and her husband was not. Uh, and, and they, when she went and visited with a religious leader, they're like, I, we can't believe this tragic thing that you've done, you know, that has essentially damned your children and all these things. And this is, you know, in our day and time, it's recently hit on YouTube. And so I just was curious as if that's something that you guys had ever had to experience. I appreciate, I gave you no sort of warning. So I appreciate you. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I think probably my parents were more worried about him not being a member of our church uh-huh. and his family was like, how can you marry someone who's Catholic, not Catholic? Like I sent you to this Catholic university and the girl you find is like a, a Mormon, like what? Yeah. So, and my, and my uh, mother-in-law was like, I send you to this Irish Catholic university. Why can't you find somebody? And so my mom was just like, well, we are Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So more, more of the, more of the religious, uh, good. Yeah. That, that makes my heart yeah. very, very happy. So finding mm-hmm. the floor, what is that? Where's that name come from? That's the name of your podcast. Uh, tell me a little bit about it, what the name is, why you started it, all that. Okay. So finding the floor is really, uh, about my most, well, it kind of came from my first episode and then it sort of has metaphorical meaning, I guess, but I literally talk about our cleaning method as when you have a disaster in your house. So I have five kids and whenever we would have a disaster and we'd have to clean up really fast, my husband would call, we got to do the 90-10. It's like the 90-10. He's like, yes, you would just clear everything out and put it on like one space and 90% of the room is clean and 10% of the time. We just got a 90-10 in and then we're going to throw it in a box of wonders and we're going to throw it down. You know, we got to put it in this closet and then we're fine. So I just joke about finding the floor as like, I do that a lot, trying to find my kids floors and trying to, um, but it came about because I just felt like I wanted to share life as just a parent and living life as a family and making it seem like it's just, I don't know, it's just normal to have life and family and then include God in it as well. Like this is just, I just wanted to share my story in some ways. And so I just, I just started doing, I had a friend who helped me kind of like get geared up to like start doing it. She's like, you really should do that. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And so it sort of evolved because I had another friend who had suggested to, she's like, you read a lot. And I think it would be cool if maybe you shared some of the books that you read Mm -hmm. that have helped you either be a parent or just like in your life. So I kind of have those two things, which is not like totally normal. And I've had a couple guests, but I don't do a lot of guests on it. Um, probably cause I just need to take the time to figure out who to have, but, um, I really like sharing stories and I like just, you know, like who loves doing science fair projects, you know, like, like nobody likes that. Like, why do we have to do that? So like one of my episodes, just like how, like, you know, the, the life of having to do a science fair project, you know, or just, mm-hmm. I don't know, just stories about your dog and just like random stories like that mixed in with faith filled stories and then 
books that have just helped me. So it's really what, been fun. I've learned a ton. So you you mentioned uh, uh, that within your family that you have five kids. That that yeah. is that is a handful. I come from a family of five, and and uh, ultimately, you know, it was a single mom family of five, and so like I I recognize just the amount that that five individuals, whether you have just a single parent or as a combined household, uh, it was obviously intentionally five. What has been the blessing that you have seen from having that larger family and from being able to choose and have just a family in general? Um, I think I, it's very humbling to be a mom. Sorry. Um, I think you just, get all of your, like anything that any buttons that you don't even realize you have get pushed by your kids. And then your skills as like a homemaker or, you know, you're just like, all of those are challenged because you have five people who don't want to actually clean up or eat what you want to give them or, um, you know, actually practice, or you're trying to help them grow as individuals. And they're a little bit reluctant to do some of those things. And so it's just this like, you persevere, you laugh a lot. I feel like I've just, but I also just feel like I have just, you realize how much the Lord has to teach you through all of your children. Cause they're, you think like, I remember I had Luke. So when I had Luke, which is when you were around Mm -hmm. on the mission, I thought I was the best parent. (laughs) He was such a good little baby. Mm -hmm. He slept like through the night. And I was like, I got this. I, yeah, I don't know what everyone says. This is easy. Like what? Yeah, How is this hard? Like yeah. he just like he was just the happiest kid, super easy. And then we had our second child and he first of all didn't like her. Like was screamed when he came into the hospital room and I'm like <laughs> oh my gosh, like I thought this was just going to be like look at your little sister. And he's like, no. (laughs) Okay. And then he didn't like her and she didn't, I thought I would just do the same thing. And she would just like sleep through the night. She would, I don't think she slept like until she was 10 minutes old. And I think ever since then, like my kids got worse at sleeping and just like, I don't know. I just feel like you think there's like a formula and then you try it on another kid and it's like, nope, that's not going to work with them. Mm -hmm. And just this, and every stage of life is different too. So now, oh, now we have teenagers and how does that work? And I have two in college now. So that's different too. And each of them are very different. And so it's just a very you have to be flexible. I've learned to just relax a lot. I'm a pretty relaxed person in general, but I've just like, I just, I'm like, okay, this is how today's going to go, you know? And I didn't do that very well. And I've learned to also apologize a lot (laughs) to my kids. And also then I've also learned to try to like stick to my guns with a lot of things. And I mean, the one thing that was really hard, you know, Nate got called as a counselor in the state presidency and I found out I was pregnant with our youngest, so our fifth child, like a month afterwards. So mm-hmm. I have four, probably under at the age of 10. And no matter where we go in the stake, he can't sit with us. <laughs> so it doesn't like, even if we went to a different ward, you know, like he still couldn't sit with us. So since, so for the past, it's been almost 14 years now because he served yes. nine years. And then, you know, I have like, 
been dragging my kids to church. And that's the one thing I just like, I held on to, to just like teach them at home and I dragged them to church and they'd be kicking and screaming half the time. And, but now I just feel like we have, I don't know, they, they get up, they go to church. There's no issue with even going to seminary in the morning. Like they have to get up at five, five fifteen to get to seminary because it's 20 minutes away. And I haven't had any of my kids complain about that. Hmm. So what do you think? What do you think crazy. that is? Because I think there are probably some parents that are like, what? How How are they able to do that? Do you think that it's just the example that you and your husband has set? Is it just the importance? Is it having discussion around and, and having some things that are non-negotiables and others that are? Or, it, it, or is it just pure luck? It could be pure luck. I don't know. I, I think part of it could be the example of like my oldest son never never showed any issue about going to seminary. Hmm. And I don't know if part of that example um, kind of just was like, yeah, we just do seminary. That's like, and then I think when they go to seminary, it actually feels really good. Like they enjoy seminary and the contrast of that. And then going to school, they're like, if I don't have seminary in the morning, it's really hard for me to get through the day. Like, and so I think there's a little bit of an example, but then they really do feel a spirit there. And I think that keeps them going. And they are pretty, uh, we have a smaller group in our ward. And so they kind of, they're not all at the same school. And so that morning they can kind of go and hang out with their friends and get that little time with them as well as a spiritual time. And then they kind of go to the different schools and, you know, try to make it through the day. You know, uh, kind of flashing back a little bit in the past, certainly during the time of the pandemic, the time that we have been kind of instituting Come Follow Me, and there's a lot of the within the home. I think that um, at least culturally here in the state of Utah, there's there everyone's a little bit Mormon in Utah, uh, even if they've never been a member of the church, even, you know, everyone's sort of, they're aware, right? You say FHE and everyone knows, even if they don't know that that's family home evening or, you know, some other of these things. How, how have you, uh, as your family kind of instituted the, the come follow me program and what was it like being, you know, distant from, from others in your ward, these people that are literally like family during the, the pandemic and how have you been able to re-enter into all that? Um, well, I actually, at first I, it was kind of a nice break just to be honest, you know, when you have this crazy busy life with all your kids and then everything stops mm -hmm. and you're just like, wow. Okay. And so we had been doing come follow me pretty much regularly in the evenings. I mean, barring probably, I would say an average of four to seven nights, you know, mostly four nights a week or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think also having my husband as the stake president, and we would be able to have missionaries come to our house. Well, it kind of depended on the time, but like we could have little special things. So on Sundays, um, we could have some people like missionaries who the sister missionaries, especially like they'd be able to have the sacrament. Um, but I really loved being at home, um, especially on Sundays, because we could like we just started when my daughter got up. So you didn't have to get up early. Right. <laughs> and, um, and then sacrament was 
so, I don't know. It just seemed so, so personal. We were just like, Hey, we need, you know, seven cups. Well, my, uh, my one son was on his mission at the time. And so it was just like, you know, we need six cups. And there was one particular Sunday where I realized I didn't have any bread. And so I hurried and just made some bread and it happened to be like on this Sunday where (laughs) I don't know if it was fast Sunday, but my husband literally had like these giant chunks of bread, like for everybody. (laughs) So like, you know, or just like, it takes a while to just actually finish. Um, I feel like it just felt really personal. Um, but then you did get to the point where you really wanted community after a few months of that. And so when we could go back, um, or we'd, you know, try to, I think, you know, when you could have like 25 or there were so many restrictions, you're just so grateful to just see people, you know, and just take into the the community. I mean, I had a group of friends, we started just within our ward, but we just started a Marco Polo group just so that we could keep tabs on everybody and making sure everybody's okay. And so there was a little bit of like, it was awesome and quiet for a while. And then you kind of miss that um, the strength you get from everybody else. So, uh, something that dawns on me as you were just talking, how do you establish your identity so that you're not just the stake president's wife? Well, I don't ever call my, I usually don't ever call myself the stake president's wife. Sure. Because, but you know that a lot of people obviously do. Oh, that's the, you know, and the, you know, and, and there's sort of that identity that's with it. How, how are you able to establish? No, this is, this is who I am and that's who he is. And, you know, I, I may, maybe you don't experience this, but I've heard, I've heard there are, there are some challenges within that. Um, well, so when Nate was called, um, I kind of gave a very memorable talk. So like usually the wives come up and they have to kind of share what the, how, I don't know what you're supposed to share your testimony. Right. And Mm -hmm. just, and I got up and I was like, I did not want this to happen. <laughs> I honestly was praying and fasting that he would not get called as a stake president. We had just been doing this for nine years. And I did have a bit of a, a kind of a forewarning, like, cause conference happened two weeks before he got called. And I had this impression that you need to kind of be prepared. And I was like, okay. So in my talk, I was just like, I don't, I don't really want him to be the state president. And I feel like I haven't been the best supportive of wife. Like I felt like I complained a lot. Mm. There would be times where, you know, we've got all these little kids at home at the time and he would come home from this really long day. And I would be super mad at him for coming home late, you know? And I, cause I'm like, I'm dying here. Not like he's had to drive all over the stake, you know, and do all these interviews and, you know, whatever he has to do at the time. And, and so I sort of, it was more of this confession. Like, I don't, I, I'm not, I didn't want this to happen. I haven't been a good support, but here's what I've learned is that I can do really hard things. Mm. And I shared the story of, um, Mary Engel Young, who there's a story of her when Brigham Young goes off on a mission and she's literally had a baby like two months before she, they're destitute. They're living on the opposite side of the Mississippi river from Nauvoo. And she like, doesn't have any food after two months after he's gone. And she straps her baby to her chest and rows across 
the river in November Mm. and begs for food. And I came across this story, I don't know, like probably six or seven years into Nate serving. And I just was like, wow, I don't have to row across the Mississippi River to save my children. I can endure maybe having my husband gone all day Sunday and Thursday nights. And so I think sometimes just being how I separate myself is like, I've just strived ever since then to not be, to not be someone he worried about. And then to be strong in my own faith and testimony. And I think the podcast that I started actually has helped me kind of define me in a different way. Like, Hey, Sister Johnson has a podcast. I was like, yeah, listen to my podcast. You know, it's just a different way. I really try to find my strength, making sure that I am strong and then making sure that he doesn't have to worry about me because he's got a lot of other people to worry about. I mean, it's not like I don't have bad days and we don't have hard things happen in our family, but um, I think just kind of establishing that I, I'm just, just like you in learning how to support my husband. It's, we're nothing like, I don't, I don't find myself any, like, I'm not really good at this. I'm just learning, you know, and, um, (laughs) and I actually did a really poor job for the past nine years. And so I'm learning not to complain and Um, so I don't know if that really helped. I had a lot of sisters who reached out to me after that, after I gave that talk and they're like, thank you so much. And I was like, okay, you know, I just, (laughs) I just want you to know that it's, you know, it's not, sometimes it's not an easy thing. And, but yet it's, it's, I'm willing, I'm, I'm willing to do it. And I've been, you know, we were talking the other night about, I think it was the night of Nate's, uh, when Nate you know, was baptized 25 years ago. And I just was like, you know, I just remember, like, I just didn't want to go to church by myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like my thought. Like, I just, like, if I have my family, I just, the idea of not wanting to go to ch- church by myself. And I've going, I've been going to church by myself now for 14 years. And I think what I really wanted was I wanted to have someone to share my faith with and like, and that's what I have. So I'm I'm really grateful for that. And um I think just being willing to just strengthen and kind of be my own person with my own faith. And you know, I think somehow that I don't know if that really answers your question, but yeah, I think so. Uh let's take another break. When we come back in the third block, there are three questions we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask those of you and anything else that we pick up along the way. We'll come back and do that in the third block of the cultural hall. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. I get a lot of emails from people all the time. Here's one. Dear Dan, I hear your talk about a lifetime service guarantee. Free? Really? Please help me avoid all your fine print and be honest about what free means. You understand that we should be very wary of a free offer? Signed, Skeptical. Hi, Skeptical. I remember 22 years ago when we started PC Laptops and our lifetime service guarantee, People thought it was too good to be true. Well, you know, after a decade, people started believing me a little bit. But you know, it's been 22 years of having the privilege to serve our friends and neighbors like you. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC laptops, desktop computer, and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. 
Here's to seeing you soon, skeptical. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember that you can become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall. You go to patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall. We like to say it's putting your money where your ears are uh, for just $5, 10 or $25 a month. It allows us to continue to do awesome things like video chat. And I'm in my uh, new studio as we record this. And if people are Patreon saints, they can see that we're starting to get soundproofing in the ceiling. And that's due to thanks of the Patreon saints. So check that out. Patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Remember that if you are a Patreon saint, you get to be a part of the secret but not sacred Facebook group, which we run and operate about each of the different episodes. So check that out. Patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. I want you to envision something, Camille. I don't know when I don't when I don't know when this day will be. Um, but I am curious uh, your your thought and or your feeling about uh, when Nate is released and the first Sunday that you get to go and sit by your husband at church. Give me an idea of, of, of what that, what you think that'll be like, what you timeline, what, how long you think you are away from that. And then, and then maybe in a life scope, what that would mean to you. Let's see. We are starting year five of... I think it's usually seven to 10. Mm-hmm. So the last state president served nine years. So I'm just planning on the 10. Like that's, <laughs> uh, that's helpful. <laughs> like sure. just plan on that. Um, I think I'll just really enjoy it. And he, pr- he's really silly. Like sometimes when we're sitting, like if we're visiting my family in Salt Lake or, you know, we'll go to church and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you can't even be serious down here. And he's like joking with our kids and just like, um, but the crazy thing is, is if he gets released when in in nine or 10 years, our, our youngest will be 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So like there won't be very many people sitting with, um, but I think it'll just be nice. I don't know. I'll just enjoy talking with him and chatting with him and we do like each other a lot still which is good you know like that that is a good thing um but I also have like oh what if he gets called to like this next and this and I just so I just kind of take it I remember at the beginning like starting to be like okay this is like how how many Sundays am I gonna like is this going to go? And some Sundays for him, I really like, they start at 7am and he doesn't come home till like 8.30 or nine, depending on, you know, what's happening in the steak. And, and I'm just like, Oh, don't do that. That is just not, don't do a little countdown. You just, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think I'll be happy. We'll just joke. I'll probably hold his hand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we... <laughs> I, I, uh, it's uh, I've heard it expressed from people that that uh, serve in those kind of capacities that that it's that it's difficult no matter what. I mean, you're alluding to maybe that there would be other church service that he would be called to, maybe something like an area something or who knows, right? You don't know, God right. knows, we don't know, but right. and that that could be challenging because of the sacrifice that comes with that. And then I've heard it's equally as challenging for for that person that for an entire lifetime of his child 18 years has served in some sort of capacity and then it's like hey be be the nursery guy and and the dynamic and support and the change that exists within the home for something like that so it 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 really is when i look at church service and and as much as the church requires of us it 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 is uh, a testament to me of like that we can do hard things and everyone's hard things 
is so different, but that but that God God knows we can do hard things. And and I appreciate that. Yeah, gosh, I'd love to teach a class with them or something. That would be super yeah. fun. Yeah. So five year olds, come together. on, Nate. let's teach the five year olds. Yeah, I think I'd be present. excited to be in nursery. Like I used to dread, like, why would you put me in nursery? I'm on my own. <laughs> now let's do it. Let's be in nursery. I'll bring all the snacks. Let's go. Listen, I'll go to that nursery. I don't I know. know. How, it'll be a little bit weird if I'm there because I don't have the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd go because uh, those snacks would be on point and your husband would just be that silly. Uh, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I will ask those of you now. The first question is, Is do you have a calling currently? And if so, what is it? Yes, I am the gospel doctrine teacher in our ward. Are you the only one or are there multiple? No, I'm the only one right now. Okay. That's a mm-hmm. lot of weight. New Testament. You excited? Yeah, it's so I love teaching. And I think what I started to do, I don't know, it was maybe a year into teaching, but every class, I make sure everyone introduces themselves and shares like one little, like I usually have a question. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel like in gospel doctrine, you know, you just have these big classes and it feels like not very personal. And I was like, if I had a small primary class, this is what I would be doing. So why don't I treat it like that? And it's really made so much like every so much of a difference because everybody feels like at least I get their opinion on one thing throughout Mm -hmm. the lesson. So I hear at least one thing from everybody. And then once after we do that, there's just this great give and take of questions. Like, I don't feel like I have to like, I mean, I love studying. I actually have just really loved the opportunity to really study but I feel like I just have to have a couple really good questions and then we just kind of have this give and take. And it's really been such, I, I, I love it. I love hearing about everybody's, if they've studied, if they haven't, you know, it's just, it's just been really good. So I yeah. loved it. I love that even just from the introduction space, because how many times have I sat next to the guy that I know I should know his name and I forgotten for some reason, right. it's like, is it Chad or are you Dave? Are you Paul? Yes. What is your name? And then they say it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And being, then being able to see each other out in the community and know their name. Whereas instead yeah. of just like, we know each other. I don't know your name, pal. Mm-hmm. That uh, has been you, super, super helpful. I, yeah. I if that. you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Hmm. Probably primary pianist. Okay. Now, are you, let me ask you this as far as that, because that's a very popular answer to this question. Are you like, uh, when you say pop, uh, primary pianist, are you like in costume and doing all sorts of different genres of adaptations of music? Or like, what what do you bring to primary pianist? I think that I love primary. Like, I, you know, I served in primary presidencies and I just love the spirit of primary, but as the primary pianist, you're just like, you just get to participate and you don't have to like plan that much and you can just laugh along. Like when, when the kids are out of control, you're not responsible. You just like playing the music. And so sometimes racing and, you know, doing the funny songs, but I think I just love filling the spirit, but not having to like be in charge of everybody. Yeah. I like just watching them. Like with these amazing comments, you know, these little kids look and you're just like, wow, okay. <laughs> so the final question we ask everyone, we ask them to interpret it however they may. The question remains, 
What is your favorite part of your faith? Hmm. Um, I think I like finding ways that the Lord has been involved in my life. Um, it was interesting this morning. I watched don't miss this. And part of the, um, part of the challenge was like, what is your fig tree moment? When have you noticed that God is aware of you? And I just was like, oh, there was like this time where there was just like this random thing said in a blessing and nobody knew I was thinking about that. And, um, and so maybe part of that is just developing this relationship with our savior and also learning from the spirit as well. Um, I just, I, I just, I loved this idea of like, where have you seen him be aware of you? And then he just places you in just the right place. And sometimes you think it, why would like, why would I be sent to this random place in Cleveland? I live in Euclid. Um, it's not the most posh place, but, and yeah, I found this pocket of amazing neighbors and we built a community here and somehow we got placed in the right place. And I just see his hand in a lot of different things. And I, I really love kind of looking for that and really feeling like the Lord is really involved in my life. Well, I uh, appreciate the time that we have been able to reminisce about the old days and being able to chat, find out what it's like uh, for you out there and to share the excitement about the Cleveland Temple. It's been awesome to be able to visit with you. I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week. And then when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. I encourage people in the show notes, you'll be able to find a link to the Finding the Floor podcast. I encourage you to check that out. And uh, who knows, I'm going to try and sweet talk your husband in to chat about sort of his his side of everything, whether or not ah. it to be successful, we'll see. Okay. Uh, but, but that may be a, a future episode of the Cultural Hall. Um, in the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. 